Radio Theater Project. Radio Theater Project. A radio drama series featuring comedy, science fiction, and mystery. 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 Old stories and new. Radio Theater Project. Theater of the mind for today. Classic Stories presents The Railway Children by E. Nesbitt. A children's tale set during the Crimean War between Britain and Russia during the 1840s. This is the story of the Waterbury family who go from middle-class urban life to the life of country poor. But it doesn't stop the fun-loving children, Roberta, Peter, and Phyllis, from enjoying themselves and having adventures living next to an exciting railway. Presenting The Railway Children, Part 1, written by E. Nesbitt, adapted for radio by Sandra Hamilton. Mommy, my engine is broken. Phyllis broke it. Did not. Now look at him. He's crying. I'm not crying. I just have a cold. Mummy, do you think Father will be able to fix it? You may ask him yourself after dinner. Cook says it'll be ready in two minutes, ma'am. Thank you, Ruth. Go and wash your hands and faces, children. Excuse me, sir. I'll clear the dishes. Certainly, Ruth. I say that was a fine meal. The cook's outdone herself tonight. Now, dear, the children and I need to tell you about the great railway accident and ask your advice. All right. Fire away. Dottie, I'm very sorry. Phyllis and I were playing and my train engine is now broken. So no hope, Dottie. Hope? Tons of it. But it will want something besides hope. It will want a bit of soda and a new valve. Now cheer up. Why, I remember when I was a boy. Who on earth could that be so late? There are two gentlemen here to see you, sir. Whatever they want, do make it quick, dear. It is nearly bedtime. I expect Father will have forgotten about when he was a boy if they stay long. Please, madam, the master wants you to just step into the study. He looks like the dead, ma'am. I think he's had bad news. You'd best prepare yourself. That'll do, Ruth. It's bedtime, children. Ruth will put you to bed. Come, darlings, you must go upstairs at once. Where's Mum? She usually has breakfast with us. Gone to do some errands. Errands? Before breakfast? Without even saying good morning to us? It is very unlike Mother. Did she say where she was going? That's all I know. I've got washing to do. I don't think we should ask Ruth to tell us the things Mother doesn't tell us. That's right, Miss Goody Goody. Preach away. I'm sure some dire calamity is happening. Don't let's make it worse. What's a calamity? Something bad. With Mother out today, there'll be no new lessons. We should practice what we've learned already. Practice all you want, silly goose. I'm going to play with my toy soldiers. I shall play with you, Peter. I only need to learn my lessons once. Very well. I only wanted to help Mother, but I suppose we could play since it's not sure when we'll have lessons again. You must promise me, though, that we won't argue or give Ruth a bad time. That should be a help anyway. I won't argue. Will you? What's to argue? So long as you keep your trap shut, Bobby, there's no quarrel. Finish your breakfast and let's go up into the playroom. Good evening, ma'am. Welcome home. Let's have that coat. The children are waiting up for you. I, I didn't think you'd mind. Thank you, Ruth. I do hope they behaved well today. No trouble at all, ma'am. They played upstairs on account of all the rain, and they was mostly nice to each other all day. I'm sorry I'm so late, children. Have you had your supper? Yes, love. I trust you all had yours. Now that I'm home, my darlings, I want to tell you something. Those men last night did bring some very bad news. What was it? Father will be away 
for some time. I want you not to ask any questions about this trouble. I did ask Ruth. I'm very sorry, but I did. And what did she say? She said she had washing to do. It's about business, and you wouldn't understand. Anyway, we're going to go live in the country. I know you'll love it. We shall begin packing straight away in the morning. Now it's bedtime, darlings. Might we stay up a while longer? Please! No, dears, we have a long couple of days ahead, and you'll need your rest. Or, at any rate, I will need mine. Bedtime. Off you go. Yes, Mother. Yes, Mum. Good night, Mother. Peter, come and nail this crate shut while I hold the lid on it. That's it, Pete. Watch your thumb. There. Aren't we going to pack up the china cabinet? We can't take everything. We seem to be taking all the ugly things. We're taking all the useful things. We've got to play at being poor for a bit. We're leaving early tomorrow. Tea's done, ma'am. Come and get your tea, children. We can finish packing afterward. We've packed up all our things. Where will we sleep tonight? You girls and I will take the guest room down here, and Peter will have a bed on the sofa. I say this is Lux. It'll be like camping in the wilderness. I wish we moved once a month. <laughs> I don't. Has everyone got their coats, gloves and hats? Yes? Good. Now let's go and find the rest of our things on the platform. Here comes the cart driver to load our things. It looks like we'll have to walk, as all our things will take up all the space. There's the house, just over there. We've got this lovely field in between. There's no lights on. Yes, well, our train was late. I suspect that the key is under the mat. Come along, children. Everything will be fine. I like Mrs. Finey and a new home. If we have to be poor and only have one servant, I'm glad it's her and Ruth didn't come with us. Hush, Phil. I like Mrs. Viney too, but don't talk so rudely about Ruth. She's right, you know. Ruth was noisy and a tattletale. Mrs. Viney gave us candy and told Mother to leave all the chores to her, including making our beds. We all like her, but Ruth cared for us for a long time, and I think we should miss her a little bit anyway. She had to find another job because we couldn't afford to bring her, and Mrs. Viney comes with the rent on our new house. Otherwise, we'd have no help at all, and then we should have to do everything ourselves. You wouldn't like that at all. No, I suppose not. Now, since it is the first day at our new home, I say we go explore. Let's go down and look at the railway. There might be trains passing. There's one now! Wave to it! Everybody, wave to it! gentleman waving back. He looks very kind. I think we should wave to him and to the train every day. Yes, I saw him. Splendid old gentleman in the black hat with the spectacles. We should wave to him and the train. I never thought we should ever get as near to a train as this. It's the most dripping sport. I wonder if that's the train going to London where father is. It would be extraordinary if the old gentleman knew father. Let's go down and have a look at the station.
of those big square bricks are made of coal. They must be thousands of them. Hello, sir. What's that chalk mark up on the wall? To mark how much coal there be if anybody nicks it. How many trains are there in a day, and how do you know? Come on now, Peter. We should get home for tea. Raining? Again? I suppose we shall have to explore the indoors for the rest of the day. Come on, let's all go up in the attic. There wasn't much food at tea, and Mother said we couldn't light the fire because of coal being so expensive. We must really be poor. I'm afraid we are, Phil. I have an idea, but I shan't tell you what it is. Don't then. Girls, always so hasty-tempered. If you hadn't been so keen for a row, I might have told you. The reason why I won't tell you my idea is because it may be wrong, and I don't want to drag you into it. Don't do it if it's wrong, Peter. I should like to do wrong if you're doing it. I'm going to do a lone adventure, and some people may think that's wrong. If Mother asks who I am, say I'm playing at coal mining. I leave in the morning, every morning, early. Children, come and help me with unpacking, will you? Yes, yes ma'am. I say, let me go. I've caught you at last, you young thief. I'm not a thief, I'm a coal miner. And I have been a coal miner now for two weeks. What a coincidence. I've been missing bits of coal for going on two weeks. Stow your jaw, you young rip, and come along to the station. Not the police station. Who's that? Come on out of the shadows, you. Why, it's a regular gang. Any more of you? No, no just us. You two were spying on me. Time someone did spy on you. Come on, the lot of you, along to the station. Oh, don't. Can't you decide now what you'll do with us? We knew he was taking coal and where he got it. No, you didn't. Yes, we did. Why? You're the children from the Three Chimneys up yonder. Tell me now, don't you know it's wicked to steal? I didn't know it was stealing. If I'd been taking it from the outside of the pile, perhaps it would be. But if I got it from the middle, I reckoned I could fairly count it as coal mining. Not quite. But did you do it for a lark, or what? Not much lark, carting it up the hill. You know that wet day we had? Well, Mother said we were too poor to have a fire. We always had fires whenever. Peter, don't. Well, I'll look over it this once. But you remember, stealing is stealing, whether you call it mining or you don't. Well, you mean you aren't going to do anything to us? That's right. Just don't be doing it no more. Now go on. Don't speak to me, spies and traitors. It isn't our fault your secrets are so jolly easy to find out. There's an awful lot of coal in the cellar now, anyway. Children, I've sold another story. We should celebrate. That's wonderful, Mother. I want you all to go and get some buns for our tea tonight. The grain dragon is going wherever father is. If it were really a dragon, we could stop it and ask it to take our loved father. Dragons don't carry people's love. They'd be above it. Yes, they do, if you tape them properly. Let's all wave to the green dragon as it goes by. If it's a magic dragon, it will carry our loved father. Look, there's the old gentleman waving back. It would be wonderful if you knew father. Hardly likely. Come on, let's go to the shops. We'll cut through the station on our way. Good morning. Sir, I don't want you to be polite to me if you don't recognize me. Eh? 
I thought perhaps you didn't know it was me that took the cold when you said good morning. Why, I wasn't thinking anything about it. Let bygones be bygones. Well, I must be getting along. You give us a look in at the station whenever you're inclined. Thank you. I'm glad it's all straightened out between us. Mother? Mother? We're here for our lessons. Oh, there's a note from Mrs. Viney. It says, Mother's lying down. She's not feeling well. Peter, will you just go upstairs and check on her? Bobby, I think you ought to come up to the stairs. I can hear Mother moaning and retching. Peter, run along to Mrs. Viney's. I think Mother needs a doctor. Mrs. Viney will know where he lives. Will Mother be all right, Doctor? She has influenza. Now, Lady Gravers, I suppose you'll be the head nurse. I'll send down some medicine, keep a good fire, have some strong beef tea to give her as soon as the fever goes down. I've written a list of things you'll need to get. Thank you, Dr. Forrest. I will take the list upstairs and talk to Mother. Goodbye now. Uh, goodbye, nurse. Mother, here's a list from the doctor of what we should get to help you. Nonsense. I can't afford all this rubbish. Tell Mrs. Viney to boil two pounds of cheap mutton off the neck for your dinners tomorrow. Mutton broth will do quite as well. I'll be going now, Mother. Peter, Phyllis, I'm calling a meeting in the attic. Come on. There's no one but us to do anything and we've got to do it. I've got the shitting for the mutton. We can do without the beastly mutton. Bread and butter will support life. People have lived on less on desert islands many a time. Of course. Mrs. Viney will have to use this shilling to get as much brandy, soda water and beef tea as a shilling can buy. Even if we don't eat at all. We don't have enough money for all that. No, we must find some other way. Everybody think. I've got it. We'll write a letter to the old gentleman from the train. We'll make a sign that reads, Look out at the station. I'm going to tie it up to the fence and wave at the dragon. Phyllis will be down at the station with the letter. She'll find the old gentleman and hand it off. Do you think it will work? I hope so. Look out at the station! Look out at the station! Oh, there you are, sir. Did you see my brother? And the sign he made? I thought I'd missed you. My bootlaces kept coming down, and I fell over twice. Here, take this, please. All right, young lady. I've got it. I'll read it straight away. It must be very urgent. <clears throat> Dear Mr. Fine Gentleman, we do not know your name. Mother is ill, and the doctor says to give her the things at the end of the letter. But she says she can't afford it, and to get mutton for us, and she will have the broth. We do not know any money here but you, because Father is away, and we do not know the address. Father will pay you, or if he hasn't the money right away, or anything, Peter will pay you when he is a man. We promise it on our honor. I owe you for all the things Mother wants, signed, Peter. Will you give the parcel to the station master because of us not knowing what train you come down by. Say it is for Peter that was sorry about the cold, and he will know all right. Roberta, Phyllis, and Peter. Remarkable.
What's all this? Porter Perks just brought up a hamburger just now, and everything on the list, and plenty of it. And there's more. Peaches, porter wine, two whole chickens. This tiny kitchen will be bursting at the seams when we get all this loot put away. Look, there's a letter. Open it. Dear Roberta, Phyllis and Peter, here are the things you want. Your mother will want to know where they came from. To her they were sent by a friend who heard she was ill. When she is well again, you must tell her all about it, of course. And if she says you ought not have asked for the things, tell her that I say you are quite right, and I hope she will forgive me for taking liberty of allowing myself a great pleasure. Signed, G.P. something. I cannot read. I also think we were quite right. Right? Of course we are. All the same, I don't look forward to telling Mother the whole truth about it. She'll just have to be angry, I suppose. Come on, let's be extra good for now and get ourselves off to bed without being told. Hello, head nurse. Want a lift? I wanted to see you. Your mother's not worse, I hope. No, she's improved greatly the last few days, but... Well, well, skip in. We'll go for a drive. What's the trouble, nurse? Come on, out with it now. Come on. It's rather hard to out with it, because Mother told me we weren't supposed to go telling everyone we're poor. Well, I know doctors are very expensive, and Mrs. Viney told me that her doctoring only cost her tuppence a week because she belonged to a club. I thought I'd ask you... Can't we be in the club, too, the same as Mrs. Viney? You're a very sensible little woman. Don't you worry. I'll make it all right with your mother, even if I have to make a special brand-new club all for her. Look here. This is where the aqueduct begins. It is grand, isn't it? It's like the pictures in the history of Rome. Right. That's just exactly what it is like. The Romans were dead nuts on aqueducts. It's a splendid piece of engineering. Well, we must be turning back. And remember, you aren't to worry about doctor's bills or you'll be ill yourself. And then I'll send you a bill as long as the aqueduct itself. You can let me off at the station. If you please. If you please, Mr. Engineer. Sirs, if you please, I need to speak with you. Oh, what's the use? They can't hear me. I'm going to have to climb through the doorway and get right in front of... Oh! Uh-oh! Oh, friend! It's a blooming girl! Where'd you come from? Oh, Nels, don't be a blubbering girl. Have a seat. Tell me what you're up to. Please, Mr. Engineer. I, I did call out to you from the line, but you didn't hear me. And I just climbed up to touch you on the arm, quite dent, I meant to do it. And then I fell into the coals, and I'm so sorry I frightened you. Oh, don't be cross, please don't. I ain't so much cross as interested like. Oh, it ain't every day a little gal tumbles into our coal bunker out of the sky. What did you do it for, eh? I wanted to ask you if you'd be so kind as to mend this. It's my little brother's toy engine. It's precious cheek. What if might you think I'd be bothered tinkering penny toys? I didn't mean it for precious cheek. And I didn't think you'd mind. You don't really, do you? My trade's driving an engine, not mending it. And now we're going to get you back to your soaring friends and relations and all be forgiven and forgotten. If you put me down next time you stop, 
and lend me the money for a third class ticket, I'll pay you back on a break. I'm not a confidence trick like in the newspapers. Really, I'm not. Uh, we'll see you get home safe and about the engine. Fred, ain't you got a pal that could use a soldering iron? Seems to me that's all the little bounder wants. Don't do it. Where have you been? Just round the station. I found someone to fix Peter's engine, and you must help me by pretending we haven't seen it if he is looking for it. All right, Peter told Mother about the old gentleman giving us all the things in the hamper. She was upset for a bit. I expect you'll hear about it yourself at tea. Better wash up and get it over with. Mother's never cross for long. She's going to London tomorrow, and Mrs. Viney will be with us until she returns. She's coming back Thursday on the 319, and we'll get Peach's engine then. It's starting to rain much harder now, and I just said thunder. Come on, that's the 319. Oh, what are all those people doing over there? Something's happened. Let's go see. Can't understand. Sounds like French to me. It isn't French. What is it then? I don't know, but it's not French. Try them with French, if you know so much about it. Parlez-vous français? Oui. Pouvez-vous m'aider? J'ai perdu mon billet et je suis malade. Pouvez-vous m'aider? J'ai perdu mon billet et je suis malade. Now that's French. What does he say? I don't know. Mother can talk French. She'll be here by the next train. Look how frightened he is. Mamie parle français. There. I don't know if he understands what I'm saying, but he's calm now. No ticket. Doesn't even know where he wants to go. I'm not sure, but what I ought to do is send for the police. Wait till Mother comes. She does speak French beautifully. You'd love to hear her. Looks like without visible means to me. Well, I shouldn't mind giving him the benefit of the doubt until your mother comes. I say, I nearly forgot. There's a parcel here for you. Oh, look. Peter, this is for you. What's this? My engine? I got the engineer and the fireman to fix up the train. Smashing. Thank you, Bob. The station master and I will stay with the man. You two go find Mother. Come on, Phil. Let's see if Mother is on the platform yet. This poor man looks quite ill and run down. That he does. I hope your mother can find out what's happened to him. <gasps> Qu'est-ce que se passe, monsieur? J'ai perdu mon billet. Je ne sais pas où je suis. Et je suis très malade. Je viens de la Russie à la recherche de ma femme et mes enfants. J'ai perdu mon billet. Well, mom, what's it all about? He's Russian and he has lost his ticket. I'm afraid he's very ill. If you don't mind, I'll take him home with me now. I'll run down and tell you all about him tomorrow. Venez avec moi, monsieur. Merci. I'll get the doctor, mother. I want to ask him something anyway. Yes, young nurse, what brings you out in this downpour? Dr. Forrest, I hate to tell you, but mother's got a very shabby Russian at the house. And I'm sure he'll need to belong to your club, too. I'm certain he hasn't gotten any money. And we found him at the station. Found him? Was he lost? Yes, that's just what he was. Mother said he would be kind enough to come directly if you were at home. I'll have the carriage brought around for us. 
The man seems worn out, mind and body, in the cough's bad. But there's nothing that can't be cured. Here's some cough medicine. He's to take it twice a day. I dare say he'll need to have plenty of hot broth and tea. You'll need to keep him warm as well. I'll put him in my room. It's the only bedroom with a fireplace. You can help me put him to bed. We'll get some of my husband's clothes out for him. I'll have Mrs. Viney make a place on the sofa for you, Peter, so I can use your bed. It'll be like camping. Jolly. All right, now. Let's each take an arm and support him like this. Uh, c- come, come along, then. Now, Mother, tell us about the Russian gentleman. Well, he's a writer. In Russia, one dared not say anything about the rich people doing wrong, or about things that ought to be done for people. If one did, one was sent to prison. But they can't. People only go to prison when they've done wrong. Or when the judges think they've done wrong. But in Russia, it was different. And he wrote a beautiful book. I've read it. And they sent him to prison for it. He was three years in a horrible dungeon. Then they took him out and sent him to Siberia. A convict chained to other convicts. Wicked men who'd done all sorts of crimes. And they walked and walked for weeks, till he thought they'd never stop walking. Overseers went behind them with whips to beat them if they got tired. When they couldn't go on, they beat them and then left them to die. Where were they walking to? To the mines. Once he got there, he was condemned to stay there for life, just for writing a book. When the war came, some of the Russian prisoners were allowed to volunteer as soldiers, and he volunteered. He deserted at the first chance he got, and then he went to uh, But that's very cowardly, isn't it, to desert, especially when it's a war? Do you think he owed anything to a country that had done that to him? No. He owed everything to his wife and children. But he didn't know what had become of them. While he was in the mines, some friends managed to get a message to him that his wife and children had escaped and come to England. So that is how he landed here. Oh, do you think he'll find his wife and children? I hope so. When you say your prayers, I think you might ask God to show his pity upon all prisoners and captives. All prisoners and captives. Everywhere. If it wasn't for the lines, this place would just look like a mountain gorge. Let's go down by those steps. We can use them to pick cherries from that tree. Hush. Stop. What's that? Look, the tree over there. It's moving. Oh, look, so are the others. Oh, they they look like they're walking down the hill. It's all coming down. Landslide! Look what a great mound it's made. The 1129 down hasn't gone by yet. We must let them know or there'll be a most dreadful accident. Let's run. A landslide! Will the children make it to the tracks in time to stop the train? What further adventures await them as they continue living next to the railway? Come back next time for part two of The Railway Children, written by E. Nesbitt, adapted for radio by Sandra Ambleton. In the cast were Chloe Forsyth as Roberta Waterbury, Daniel Bunce as Peter Waterbury, Lexine Forsyth as Phyllis Waterbury, Mary Anderson as Mother, Dave Van Meer as the Old Gentleman, Becky Forsyth as Ruth the Parlourmaid, Dave Johnson as Dr. Forrest, Reed Thompson as Station Master and Father, James Anderson as Chapansky, and Joseph McGuire as Porter Perks. Other parts played by members of the cast. I'm your announcer, Ann Bodle Nash. 
Sound design and dialogue editing, Jay Charles. Production assistant, Bobby Wiley. Recording engineer, Juan Araguin. Recording technician, Carla Ayala. Directed by Dave Johnson. Produced by Joseph C. McGuire. Recorded at KSVR Studios in Mount Vernon, Washington. This is a Radio Theater Project presentation. This program is supported with a grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.